Well, welcome to the Game Changers podcast. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks. Uh, welcome back, everyone. So we have Jeff and the professors here with us. Um, I hope COVID um, hasn't affected you all uh, too greatly. Hopefully we can push into 2022 uh, in good health and hopefully rugby league continues as long as it can with crowds. And uh, yeah, so tonight we're going to be discussing the start of the 2022 season and a few of the standouts. So we're talking about the good, the bad and the real ugly. And we'll get to oh, that. I wonder who the ugly <laughs> yeah. are, my friend. Just, uh, on, just on lockdown. Yeah. I felt like Sylvester Stallone <laughs> in lockup. Like, how good's it been seeing the crowds? Yeah, it's great. It's good. You know, not just in rugby league, but in all sports. I think it's been great. Yeah, it's good to have it all back. Absolutely. Hopefully it stays back. Yeah. So, firstly, we'll discuss uh, with the 2022 season, uh, we're three rounds in, um, the good. Uh, Penrith, defending premiers, they've just... With the absence of Nathan Cleary, they they just haven't skipped a beat. And it's funny because when they signed Sean O'Sullivan, um, he's sort of been in and out. He's played... Where's he played, Professor? The Roosters. He's played... Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, and, and hasn't actually set the world on fire. I think it just shows you how strong Penrith are. They haven't missed a beat, have they? No. Nah. I mean, if and, anything... And he's been a standout. Yeah, he's been really good for them. Yeah. But I just think, like, I, I went out to watch them and you, you don't really appreciate um, the whole game unless you, you're actually there. But their line speed, I don't think I've ever seen a team yeah. uh, defend the way that they have and they're so quick. Hmm. Um, you know, admittedly, the crowd were going a bit crazy about being yeah. offside and they may have been, but... Just, yeah, their, their, their line speed and their, just their will, it just seems like nothing's changed. Mm. Well, I watched them I watched them last year at Penrith. They were playing Canberra, mm. and that was probably the most noticeable thing. Canberra stuck into that game till right near the end, but Penrith's defence, they just swarmed. Yeah, it. yeah. It was, it's it amazing. Developing. They, it, was, it was actually, especially when you watch them live, really noticeable. You don't get a real proper look unless you're actually there because yeah. you can see from uh, the whole width of the field whereas yeah, on the TV yeah no they've been really good and, mm. um, and yeah basically just left off yeah and you've got to think a team that hasn't won a premiership for a long time as Pendleton was 18 years in between yeah. sometimes it's hard to go from being the hunter to the hunted but yeah but they've been really good for, for two years I mean yeah you know and they've obviously got a quality roster um, and they haven't lost too many. Um, they've lost a couple of players. I mean, mm. obviously, Burton's a, a, a massive one, Momorowski. Mm. But, you know, they've really still got that core yeah. um, a group of players. And, you know, um, and they've got a lot of young blokes coming through. That Isaac uh, Tago just looks yeah. like a real... And they had another bloke on the wing the other day and was like... He looked like another Brian Tyre. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean... If I was to make a call now on Penrith, I mean, it's round three and there's a long, long way to go, but 
at the moment, they they just look like a lock for a top four spot. Yeah, they're clearly know. the best side so far. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. you know, they come off a win against Newcastle who were flying. Mm. Uh, everybody was, um, you know, talking Newcastle up. But, you know, I think they sent Newcastle back to Newcastle packing and mm. to reevaluate. Mm. So Another team I've got down as has been good so far is the Cowboys. Because uh, many had them penciled in as the wooden spooners. And as I said, we're in round... We've just finished round three, so it's early days. But I like what I see from the Cowboys. I mean, they've everyone sort of raised their eyebrows. Oh, they've signed Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden didn't really kick on at the Broncos. But I tell you what, they're playing an up-tempo game. And that young second rower, Jeremiah Nano, they reckon half the NRL's chasing him. He put another zero on his contract on Sunday. He was enormous. No arguments from me. My only issue is... They haven't played anybody of note, and I say that, yeah. you know. I mean, they've played Canberra, who haven't been. I mean, Canberra have won two games, but I thought they were lucky against um, Cronulla yeah. in that first game. You know, they come back from 24... I, I'd like to see a bit more from their Cowboys. I think they've definitely improved on last year. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, last year they were, they were like, basically horrendous. Yeah. But this 19-year-old kid just looks like a mm. real rugby league player. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between being an athlete mm. and being a, a, a footy player. He's actually a footy player. Yeah. He's got the nous and yeah. yeah, they look okay. I mean, I as I said, it's, it's you know, I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We're here to, to, to form an opinion. Mm. But it's round three. I'd like to reserve my judgment on them a little bit. Yeah. But you can't do any more than, you yeah. know, two from three. That's and it. it's a lot better than what they were doing last year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What, what do you guys make of the Sharks so far? I just think we often talk about, um, oh, if you get a recruit or a signing from the Storm, they're only good in that system. But Nico Hines, as a Tigers fan, I'm kicking myself that we didn't make him an offer because he can play anywhere from one to seven and he can do it well. I think the thing with Nico Hines, he's obviously come from a really, really good system. We all know that. But if you look at Cronulla and the way that they play the game, it's it's a power game. Yep. They've got forwards like Rudolph and... Um, Hamlin Ewell. Yeah, I mean, Professor, you've got to help me with some of these names, mate. You're the... Um, he loves it, he thrives on it. Yeah, them. yeah, absolutely. So, hit us with a couple, come on. Yeah, hit us with a couple. Tell the <laughs> Don't be a smart-ass, <laughs> Professor. Yeah, so um, their go-forward's been really, really good. So, obviously... Um, Nico Hines can play off that, mm. but I reckon he'd play off that anyway, mm. whether they were going, because he's just got, again, he's a footy player and he's got that desire. Yeah. And, mate, he comes with the added bonus of being a goal kicker and a great kicking game. Yeah. And I don't know if halfback's his best position either. I'd like to, um, you know, I think 5A will fullback, yeah. but as you said, Simon, he can play anywhere. Yeah. Well, they've got Will Kennedy at fullback. Yeah, absolutely. He's... And they've got a bloke that plays halfback in. Um, Braden Trindle, who yes. did all well, yeah. who did really well last year. So, yeah. um, I mean, they've also they've got uh, Matt Moylan. I, I don't know. I mean, historically, Matt Moylan won't see the season out, so we might yeah. see we might see yeah. Braden um, Trindle Trindle play at half and Hines. But yeah, at the moment, if you were to pick a um, a player um, as the buyer of the year after three rounds, he'd be it. Yeah, hundred percent. He's made a massive difference there, I and mean, I think they're the real deal. To be honest. Yeah, I was. I mean, they've signed Dalfinukan for four years, 
Yeah. And you'd, you'd probably think the way he's playing now, he's not going to be playing that way in 2025. But... Yeah. That's a long time, isn't it, it's a for a 32-year-old? Yeah. But Who will probably play Origin again this year. And, and that's going to take a bit out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a long time. I don't know whether they can... But a lot of players are playing a lot longer now. Mm. And they don't play as many minutes. Yeah. You know, so... But he's he's always putting his body on the line. And they've yeah. got a really, really good squad. Yeah. There's no question. I, I, I'm, I'm liking the look of that hooker. I reckon he's next man up for State of Origin. If we're to pick any players on form with them, obviously mm. Damien Cook mm. is is going to be the pick, but he's not far behind them. Yeah, you know he can kick from dummy half. Yeah, defensive, you know, defensively he's strong. And Cameron McGuinness is just coming back now too. Yeah, absolutely. So they've got some options there, haven't they? Yeah. So we're going to switch to the, I wouldn't say the bad, but the indifferent. Uh, the Roosters were a lot of people. They had an injury plague season. Last year. Yeah, but Simon, so did a lot of other teams. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know? But people seem to think with their injury concerns over, they'll, they'll be a top four side again. So I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. And we had a discussion before. You said they're, in, they're an ageing team. And we're also talking about um, James Tedesco and the way he's playing. The, the last season James Tedesco had at the West Tigers, he would be running around like a headless chook and... Pardon the pun. Yeah. And trying to do everything because he didn't have... Well, I think when he looked left and he looked right, he didn't see much talent on his side. And I think he's fallen into a bit of that at the Roosters. Because besides Joey Manu, there's no one really there that's going to spark him once it's out of out of his hands. I mean, as you see, coming back from a, a knee Rico. Sam Walker's still very young and... Still a little bit fragile. I'm looking at who they've played, Simon, and I'm not mm. going to be too critical of them because they have been a wonderful club for a yeah. long time. No doubt. Right. But I'm looking at... They played Newcastle. They looked off the pace. We all agree with that. Yep. They were actually belted, and yeah. they only scored in the last five minutes. They played Manly the following week. Yeah. Manly were literally horrible. Yeah. You know? The Roosters scored 26 points. I reckon a side in form would have put 50 on Manly. Mm. That's how bad Manly were. And then last week, they they basically got towed up. Yeah. You know, they were actually bashed. My view on the Roosters is, I think they'll be there, but based on what I can see at the moment, they've got Wiru Hargraves, who's not getting any younger. Mm. They've got um, Crichton. Angus Crichton, who's sadly out of form. And mm. um, and that's been proven by him being put on the bench. Mm. Um, they've got Tiako, who's older, who's leaving at the end of the year. Mm. I think their their strike player is Tupanua. How do you say it, Professor? Yeah, Tupanua. Tupanua. Uh, Radley, yes, yeah, coming back. Didn't play much footy last year. Mm. We've got Sam Walker. I think the jury's still out. I mean, I think he's a class player, but... I think he needs to build up physically. And I don't know if he can because it looks like his stature. It looks like... I don't know if he can get in... He'll put on bulk as he gets older. And I think that's what he needs because he's getting... He's getting picked picked out defensively. Of course. Um, You've got Luke Kerry coming back from a knee, Rico, and a lot of players will tell you it takes you 12 months. Um, They've lost... Well, look, if you're an opposition forward and you see Victor Radley there and Sam Walker there, where are you going to run? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know... Their, their main strike is Joseph Manu, mm. 
And then you've got James Tedesco, who I feel in the three games that I've watched him, I'm not going to say he overplays his hand, but he's getting involved where he wasn't doing that as much. I think he is overplaying his hand. Well, he but I think he's yeah. doing it out of necessity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more you overplay your hand, the more errors come into the game. That's true. So, yeah, again, yeah, they'll be thereabouts. They're too good of a club, yeah. but people need to understand they're not the same as what they were two or three years ago. I don't think they're going to be as dominant. They're probably, you know, they've probably got to start rebuilding again. Yeah. And they will. They will. As they always do. As they always do. Um, so we've gone from the good and the bad. So now we'll talk about the most consistent side in the comp. And that's the West Tigers. Consistently poor. Can I start on this one? Simon, you can. please if I can, because oh, you're rather. obviously a West Tigers supporter and you'll get the opportunity to talk. Yeah. Um, and you will do so passionately. Yeah. I, um, do. I think, and again, we continually say the same thing about the West Tigers year in, year out. Yep. They're a club that, if we look at it and we look at their results... They're a club that's been in turmoil for a long time and nothing has changed. We, we sit here... Uh, sorry, one thing, you said nothing's changed. Yeah. You're right, but the common denominator is the board and the CEO. I'll they're get the, to them in a minute. Thank you. No, because they're, they're on my radar. Yeah, good. <laughs> the board can you continually decide to appease the players and that's been happening for a long time. And this is from an outsider mm. looking in. Yep. Right. The players have never been held accountable. Mm. They've continually chopped and changed coaches. Now, when do we get to a point and we decide, okay, well, it's obviously not the coach's fault. Isn't it? Well. This is his fourth season. So who appoint? No, no, but I'm talking historically. Okay. Yep. So you... you I'll get you to speak about Michael Maguire and your thoughts on that, but I'm just talking in this 11-year period where they haven't made the eight. Yeah. Right? They've gone through, I think, four or five coaches. Correct. When when do we get to a point and say, okay, well, it's really not the coach. Well, it hasn't been the coach's fault. Mm-hmm. When are the players being held accountable? And when are the people that hire these players yeah. and hire these coaches are held, held accountable? Because the CEO hasn't changed. Nope. The board hasn't changed. Nope. But they continually... So the easy fix is to change the coach. Yeah. Right? So, you know, what do they do? There's got to be a point where someone's got to be held accountable. That's right. Okay. My thing is, after a decade of failure, so in the last round last year, we lost to the Bulldogs 38-0. Now, the Bulldogs in 2021 were probably the worst NRL side that's ever run out onto the field. I rang you that day yes, after did. the game and I said to you that that was the most disgraceful, inept yep. performance I've ever seen from a first-grade football side. Correct. And you agreed with me. I did, 100%. And I, nothing's changed my mind since. My thing is, you talk about the, the players need to be held to account. Personally, the squad is a poor one. It's not a strong squad. Now, so... I understand people defending Michael Maguire because the squad is poor. The only problem I have is that he has either signed or re-signed every single one of those players during his tenure. 
So it's a poor squad, but it's his squad. Simon, but is it him that is signing the players, right? Is he held responsible <coughs> to sign players? Or And I understand the coach, and I'm not going to sit here and defend because his record is indefensible. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's there in black and yeah. white. But my question to you is, is he the sole person that signs players or is it the recruitment staff? Okay. Now, this is my theory and I have a little bit of a knowledge of what's going on there, I think. Maybe a, a little bit more than, than some people. But <clears throat> Michael Maguire, in his last two seasons at South, failed to make the eight. 2016 and 2017. 2019, 20 and 21 with the West Tigers, he failed to make the eight. So that's five seasons in a row. And judging by this year, the only thing we'll challenge for is the wooden spoon. So that'll be six seasons where he hasn't coached the team to finish in the top half of a 16-team comp. That's a poor record. My point is when you say, oh, but is he involved in the recruitment? Does he, is he a part of recruitment? I tend to think players aren't coming to the West Tigers. I don't think they want to be coached by him. I think there's a stigma with Michael Maguire. Simon, players talk. Thank right? you. Okay. Players talk amongst each other. They talk a- a- amongst managers. Yep. We know all of that. Yeah. Right. He's been renowned as, as being a hard taskmaster. Yeah. Master. Yeah. Right. A lot of players don't like that. Mm. The problem we have these days and, you know, I don't claim to know, you know, too much about, you know, the fitness and what yeah. goes on, but everybody talks about how hard he is. He's yeah. not the only club that does that, yeah. right? If they decide for, to go in a different direction, my question to you is, who's out there? Do they go for someone? Because I've heard reports, right, from journalists and the so-called experts like us, Yeah. Right, they need somebody that's going to change the culture. Right, they need someone that's a bit tougher. No, I don't. I don't think so. So where do they go? Yeah, I mean, you know, they sack the coach. Who's the next coach in line? Who do we have? Who do the West Tigers? Who do they target? Right. When do the players become accountable? Okay. So why should the why are we holding the players to account? But not the board, not the CEO. Well, I agree with you, and I said that because the board, the board are the ones that hire and fire coaches. They're the ones that sign off yeah, on player on player recruitment, yeah. right? All we hear from Justin Pascoe and that new hairstyle of his, so and that's no offence, Professor, <laughs> right? Is about their centre of excellence and all the, how much money. Let me tell the you, center of excellence is government funded. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't. They, they, I agree with that. But that doesn't give you two points. Is exactly. It a, does it appease you? Is it appeasing all the West Tigers supporters? I watched them play against the the Warriors against twelve men. The Warriors were absolutely disgraceful. Hmm. So for them to lose, we had a, a halfback, and I haven't mentioned any players yet, have no. I? No. We had a halfback that's on. 900, even if he was on $500,000 a year, standing there with his hands up in the air with 10 minutes to go, couldn't get him home, couldn't get the West Tigers home. Mm. Go through the top five or six clubs, and I guarantee you their halfback would have taken control of that game and put the Warriors away. Yeah. 
in eleven or in nine years in that halfback, the halfback's been there, right? What have they done? They've continually picked him. What's changed? Yeah, make some and, hard and calls. Look, he's he is responsible for a lot of the way we play, just because he's a halfback. But there is something seriously wrong with the culture and the environment at the West Tigers that is not getting fixed. And everybody tells me, oh, but you want to pick on the CEO and the board, you know, uh, we're, we're financially viable now. Okay, great. So they've got us all this money. What are you spending it on? What uh, are you spending? Because... Oh, they spent it on Russell no, Packer. They spent it on Josh yeah, Reynolds. But it's, there's no point in being financially sound if you're throwing the money away. Because you- a sporting organisation... Its core focus has to be winning games. Could you imagine them because they're financially because uh, they're financially viable? Imagine yeah. they were winning games. That's what I mean. Yeah. Imagine they. Were, but my my criticism of Michael Maguire, right? Because I think he can coach. I just don't think he has the talent. Is that he continually sticks and picks? Yeah. But he has to make some changes in key positions. He cannot continually stick with players that have let him down. You watch them more than I do. Unfortunately. Is, is, is Adam, uh, Adam Reynolds, pardon me, is Luke Brooks, has he given you value for money in the years that he's been there? No. Why do they continually pick him? Maybe he does need a new club. I mean, any player that plays first grade has got some ability. But nine years? Yeah. Let's be serious. Yeah. I just don't think he should be hold, held solid. I mean... The halfback story, and we've seen it in the past. Jamie Soward was a scapegoat. Brett Kamali was a scapegoat. Todd Carney was a scapegoat. I agree with that, but you know what? Yeah, you there's, know, you there's know. individual, and, and he has, he's been made a scapegoat for the West Tigers because he's been the constant. He's been there the longest, and his position, it's a vital one. And I understand that. But they had some go forward last week, yeah, Simon. The problem with the West Tigers is not solely Luke Brooks. You don't... Okay, we'll get Sean O'Sullivan. Oh, we're flying now. Now we're in the eight. No, nah, it's, like it's deeper than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. deeper than that. Look, I think the Tigers, with a couple of the signings for, for next year, but next year's too far away. After after 10 years of failure? Yeah. Next year is too yeah. far away. Uh, anyway. Just on a positive note with the West Tigers, I think that centre from England looks okay. Oliver Gildar? Yeah, yeah, yeah looks early okay. Days. Early looks days. okay. Early days. Look, mate, it's round three. Yeah. But we can't, I mean, I don't want to be saying to you, Simon. Oh, it's round 14. It's round 14. I mean, we're not travelling much better. I mean, we had a pretty good start. I'm talking about St. George. We had a pretty good start to the season. We were, mm. you know, we had a good win against the Warriors. I thought we were competitive against Penrith. Maybe should have won that game. We're, we're yeah. Well, we're in a position to win that game. And then we come back to earth with a real thud mm. against Cronulla. And, you know, you can't do that. You've got to be consistent in this game. Yeah. You know, and if you consistently have a dig... That's right. That's what, And that's what most fans want from their team. Yeah. Just yeah. give us a committed effort for 80 minutes and that's all well, we want. I want to let our viewers on, you know, just a little bit... Sorry. I want to let our viewers in on some in-depth discussions I've had with, with Simon, who is a passionate West Tigers supporter. Oh, without doubt, Simon and I talk basically every week during the footy season. Yep. And I don't think I've ever seen him or heard him so disappointed or so disillusioned. Oh. And I I watched them and, I mean, 
there are only two clubs I love, and that's St George and Carlton. But mm. I watch the West Tigers, and I actually sit there and I hope they win for your sake because I've never heard <laughs> so you so I. disappointed. So do I. You know, so all I can say is, mate, I wish you the best. And, Thank you. Yeah, you know, and can I just say? Yep. I think I'm in for some dark times. Just stick with me. <laughs> don't, well, I'm, don't with leave you, me alone. I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. You know, yeah. yeah but it's the footy season, and mm. we're back, and that's one positive. Yeah. I want to talk about something a is little that- bit. Off- Jeff and I often talk about um, rugby league, but Jeff's also a passionate AFL fan. He's, Carlton. He supports the Carlton Blues, the Navy Blues. Um, so because of our friendship, uh, I often find myself tuning into AFL when it's not really my, my primary sporting love. But something caught both our attention on, on the week, as it did most of the general public in Australia, is Buddy Franklin kicking his thousandth goal. And just the scenes of the crowd running on the field, and it was—it just looked awesome. And as someone who's not really an AFL fan, just watching it, it was—you knew you were, you were watching something really great. And it just—it—it—it it, it sort of hit me then, and I was speaking to Jeff about it. How great the AFL are at celebrating milestones. I mean, every player, whether it's your fiftieth, your hundredth, your one fiftieth, your two hundredth, your two fiftieth, you actually get carried off the field by your teammates like it's actually an achievement to play 50 games and they celebrate it and they celebrate it and buddy franklin kicking a thousand goals michael how many players have done that before i think it was six i think it was five before him yes he's the sixth person to do it in history and it was celebrated and it was great and it's scenes and there'll be footage that they'll show for years and years to come i think what the thing was to simon with that is he was mobbed. There were more people on the ground than we were on the stands. Yeah. And that's no exaggeration. Yeah. People could see that. But the fact that Buddy literally smiled yeah. the whole time, yeah. I thought was just... He, he embraced it. Yeah. And I've always said to you, nobody does it like the AFL. That's right. Now, and, and it's not ironic that Melbourne, the only NRL club, yeah. would you do something similar, similar yeah. in terms of milestones. So we're talking about Buddy Franklin kicking the thousandth goal. And then we look back at how we celebrate rugby league milestones. And I remember when Hazemel Masri broke the all-time point scoring record. So in 100 years of rugby league, he was now the number one, the highest point scorer. And I remember he kicked the conversion. The ground announcer said, oh, congratulations, Hazem. Yeah. He waved to the crowd, then ran back in position because he had to get get there in time for the kickoff. That, that was it. It was the same with Cameron Smith a few years same ago. Same as Cameron it? Smith. At least Melbourne, at least Melbourne did something, even though they gave his wife something. Yeah. <laughs> but but they did something that was, that they recognised him, probably not in the way the AFL do, but for a milestone, because I don't think that we're going to see another player for, play 400 games. No. You know? No. So... The reality is that we just don't know how to do it. No. Compared to what we saw. I mean, you know... We don't appreciate the history. No, we don't. We don't. We actually don't. That's a really, really good point. We don't appreciate the history and what's come before it, Mm. right? What's coming our time. Like, you know, we have immortals. We have, you know, know, Hall of Famers. Yeah. But do we really celebrate it? And and it shows because, you look, I went to the the Tigers-Warriors game... 
and they, they announced the crowd as 7,100. I swear they counted arms and legs because there was not 7,000. <laughs> What's an average AFL crowd? Oh, look, I, I don't know the figures, but I can tell you now, at Marvel Stadium, they get between thirty to 35,000. Yeah. Right? The 20, MCG... 20,000 would be a low crowd for an AFL Absolutely. Game? Well, there was 23,000, I think, at the North Melbourne West Coast game. Yeah. The other day, and West Coast had 14 plays there. Yeah. Um, 20,000 in an NRL game is a bumper crowd. I've been to two AFL games in Melbourne, mm. the, the, the opening Richmond and Carlton mm. at the MCG, and I've been there where there's been 90, 91,000 and 87, and it's an experience that I will never, ever forget. Mm. Um, you know, I love rugby league, yeah. but I also love AFL just as much. Yeah. And we've got a long, long way to go. No, yeah. But the thing is, we have that opportunity. Yeah. We have the history. Yeah. You know, I just don't think it's done in the correct manner. Correct. Um, so that's it for our podcast uh, this evening. It's been great, right, hasn't it? it has. I haven't skipped a beat, just like Penrith. Just, it's been actually fantastic because we haven't heard from the presser all night. How good's that been? Yeah, pulled us up yet. Oh, wow. Which is good. Um, our next podcast, uh, for especially I think for um, our older sort of viewers, um, especially any old Magpie fans out there, Stammo if you're watching, um, the great Steve Goshen. Um, Gus. Gus, the, the West Magpies coach in 86, 87. Um, I think it's a really good... Um, it's a good story. It's a good story because our next podcast, we spoke about this, is we're going to be talking about coaches because, you know, during the off-season and even up... So now, coaches have been in the uh, in the hot seat. So I think it's a re- <laughs> there might be a few different coaches. By well, that's podcast. true, and you know, I just think it'd be good to get you know yeah. his perspective on the game then, yeah, to the game now, yeah. But not only and, that, but also being a pioneer, really, because there wasn't too many Lebanese people involved in football. Absolutely. Well, it's a good story. So it will be a good story. Mm. So no, looking forward to it. He's a good chap, yeah. and we can talk about his um, boxing exploits. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Can't wait. We, we might need an interpreter for him, though. <laughs> but no, looking forward to it. We'll be kind, Gus. Promise. Yeah. Thanks, guys. See you Cheers. next time. Thank you.